You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hi, welcome to the latest episode of Scottish Football Forums podcast, where it's season 12, episode 7. I'm John, and tonight joined by Jeff Hayden. Yeah, not bad, not bad view. Hi, am I right, eh? Really? My name's still my old name on the mind. Aye, good. <laughs> Professional as always, Jeff. Aye, keep yeah. going. Uh, and also joined by Josh, you all right? All right, mate. There's a bit of a... Uh, what's that, Jeff? You'll know the word. Um, what's that when we... Uh, is it alliteration? We get three Js, <laughs> know what I mean? It's just like a radio show or something the other night. It's like a well, LL Cool J. Ladies love Cool James, wasn't it? So we've got like they can love the three of us. Showing your age, showing your age there, man. The only LL Cool J thing is I know is Mama. Mama said knock you out, and the fact he was in Deep Blue Sea. There we go. Um, so a bit of a change of plan tonight. We were supposed to have a guest on Blair McNally, but he's had to reschedule, unfortunately. So we'll get him on another time. So this is a bit of a an improvised podcast i suppose um so we'll just go over really kind of what's been going on now josh if you're a from friday night first of all uh yeah i oh, i oh, mate, I was, oh it was rough on uh saturday hey god god oh, i was rough it was uh, it was good man hospitality at uh meadow park for the miramis the well, i should say the mary mass derby is the official name it but uh most most locally known as the Mormon Um It's the annual fixture uh, for listeners who aren't familiar. This is a friendly fixture that occurs between Irvine uh, Meadow and Irvine Victoria uh, once a year on the Friday of uh, the Mary Mass weekend in Irvine, which is it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a gala. That's the only way I can describe it. Um, it's just, a lo- just to get past really in. Yeah, it's a legend, yeah, le- legendary, legendary local, um, local uh, thing. Um, so anyway, uh, I oh, brilliant man. Um, one nil up. It was, it was a bit of a poor first half. One nil up, second half. One one. I think they got it. Must have been about eight minutes or so. Uh, and then ninety third minute, like last kick of the ball. Um, Irvin made a free kick straight into the net. Man, place went wild. So absolutely brilliant. A couple of pitch invasions as well, I've seen. There was, man. Uh, Vic, Vic's, uh, they had a bit of a young team uh, at the opposite side of the pitch, obviously. Uh, and they were out with the orange flares and all that. And it was hilarious, <laughs> man, because I think they were all about like 16, 17, that kind of age. So they were obviously following the mad dog and all that. And uh, like whenever Vic's, well, when Vic scored, they were coming onto the pitch and squaring up to the opposite side and all that. And it was brilliant, man. And there was only two, there was like, there was only two followers in the whole ground, right? So you're, you're laughing <laughs> like, I, 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 but it's, you know, there'll be more next year probably. But um, I, no, there was nothing happened. It was all just kind of wee boys being daft, man. But it was it was a good atmosphere. I guess I seen it was close on 1,500 at the game. Uh, that's about normal track, uh, tracks. I mean, you got all the kind of, that, that, that's the one, John, that all the kind of local politicians appear once a year at and all that, uh, you know, and, and all the kind of uh, dignitaries for local clubs and societies and that, you know, go to see the game. And Donald. Was Donald at it? Aye. Oh, I didn't he, know. He was on the WhatsApp chat asking you if you were going. And you've obviously missed it. <laughs> oh, you've mate. Obviously, mate, you've obviously it missed was... it. And I've, I've said to Donald, I, he's obviously just, he doesn't want you there. Mate, I finished work at five o'clock uh, on, no, I finished work at five o'clock on Friday and I, I was in the pub for half five. <laughs> so I missed, I missed it. And it was, mate, we were on free bar. You know what I mean? So. We're doing a bit of damage, and then we were obviously with the with the Mermaid's Cup drinking out of that at the end and, uh, after the game and all that. Aye, good times. Now, what about you, Jeff? What have you been up to? After I've been, uh, I've been busy. I've had like personal issues to deal with, and then Dundee United started being shit, so I haven't really been watching anything. <laughs> Aye, well, talking about Dundee United being shit, so earlier on, obviously, there was speculation that Jack Cross had left the club, which it's turned out not to be true at the moment, but what are your thoughts on what's going on? Uh, I think um, so. The start of the Asian Outlaw game, the one at home, uh, was 
but obviously I was had that game it was amazing yeah we did just sort of pull the beast right enough but you, you expected the game after that against Libby United always had a terrible record against Libby as it is so you, you can kind of get three days later like the hangover yeah you, you accept that and then um, the away leg performance was fucking atrocious like there is no other word for it it was absolutely abysmal the keeper who went from looking like a hero Thursday beforehand just absolutely swapped his wrists for a couple of poppadoms because he was at no chance was he doing anything with it. He was at fault at least with these two of them and that's being kind. Um, and then you go after that, that. One of the few games you wouldn't want to pick after that is Hearts at Tynecastle on Hearts' first home game of the season. So you, you add that into the election, so for God's sake. The one against St. Moon was pretty bad. The main mine was just St. Moon if I went to that game and um, thankfully I was working. And uh, yeah, he, he he said United's just, we were just abject. He said, it looked like there was no confidence in the team at all. So I think for Jack Ross is a case of trying to regain confidence. That, that, that's the main thing. He needs to regain that confidence because we've clearly seen the performances are there. You just need to actually put your finger out the ass. It's just we've got Celtic this weekend. That's obviously not ideal. Uh, then next week we've got Livy away midweek in the cup. Um, as I said, we've got we've got a brutal record against Livy at, at the best of times. So yeah, it's starting to look a bit. I, I think it will be fine in the end if this is just the bad run. It's just it's a number of goals that we've conceded in that bad run that's the concern and the fact that the keeper there's both the keepers the one Ericsson you're not going to forgive for that <laughs> for that performance against Sunderland when you just watched him just wonder what, what, what are we doing here and then the other, obviously the other the Australian boy looked really good against AZ in the one game and then the next game against AZ did not look really good the only shining light is I believe Xander Clark is still without a club. And I know United were one of the favourites to sign him. But I don't think that's really your answer, to be honest. <laughs> that's a concern. But, yeah. I think, Je- Jeff, Je- I mean, see, to be honest, right, it has only really been the last three games that have been, ab- you know, objectively terrible. Um, you know, the one nil against Livy, I didn't think they were particularly bad against that, and and I can't remember the specifics of the team, um, but I would imagine because that was kind of sandwiched between the the, the two Altmar games, there probably was a bit of rotation in that. Um, so I don't think that was a particularly bad result. But since the Altmar game, I think you know he's have just fell off a cliff. Um, you know, the Hearts game. To be honest, the Hearts game. I don't think many people expected much from that, especially after the performance in the week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, four-one was harsh. I watched that game, and it wasn't. United deserved to lose, don't get me wrong, but they weren't. It wasn't a four-one defeat, if you know what I mean. United just, and again, the keeper threw two in. To be fair, um, so like it, it wasn't a four-two defeat. The one that's most concerning is the performance against St. Mirren, because that, from the sounds of it, was just terrible from start to finish. Well, when you like Carter's main score, not once but twice against you, you know you're. Yeah, a- exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, it's that. That's the thing that concerns. That that's a million result is a concern. Now, I know Jack Ross has a reputation for having these sort of games. When it's a team that you expect a result against, you sort of you get turned doing over, and you don't really get where it's come from. So fair enough. The game against Celtic this weekend. It's not really, I don't know. The thing is, with this, with this, you're not expecting anything other than a defeat. So anything that anything other than a defeat would be positive. And even if it's only, you can take positives and defeat against your firm anyway. So. But yeah, I think the game against Livy midweek next week is probably the game that if he doesn't get a positive result out of that game, then I think the pressure will start properly mounting. And... It's now started goalkeeper roulette, which is always a dangerous game. Aye, it was pretty decent though in the cups with Hibs. Aye, aye, no, he's got he's until he gets to the final. Um, 
yeah, no, he's got a pretty decent record in the Cups with all the teams he's been with. I, I think it's just about the, the window's still open as well. Um, that's a good thing. The players that we signed seem on paper to be quite decent signings. Uh, Dylan Livett is obviously it's a very good signing as long as he gets in the Welsh, Welsh squad. Glenn Middleton, his first game, you were like, fuck me, what a sign this boy is. And then the two games since, you've seen why Rangers were willing to let him go for such a low price to another Scottish club, to be fair. I can't believe he's still, he's only 22. Seems like he's been around forever. Uh, so, it, it, I, I, the one thing that I always felt about Glenn Middleton was that he was at Rangers for, you know, what was it, three three years, well, four, four years, something like that, uh, uh, on loan, you know, a lot, a lot of that time. But um, I, I just felt that, that he had raw ability. He had has raw ability, but he's so inconsistent with it. You see, I mean, seeing that outward game, the one now, he was he was absolutely electric. And I mean, you seen it with, with the way the, the goal happened. Um, but he's just so. And then you'll go through games and he'll just switch off, and he's just not got that. No, look, um, you know, three 0 four one. It's obviously no Glenn Middleton's fault that that Dundee United are having a terrible time at the moment. Um, but see, be honest, I don't, I don't get the kind of pressure that Jack Ross is under right now either. I don't think, I don't think Jack Ross is particularly the manager. People make him, you know, some sections of the media make him out to be, um, but. I just don't. I think he's maybe afforded a wee bit of time yet. He's the, the that seven nil was a hammer blow to Dundee United, yeah. in my opinion. And you know, form and mo, you know motivation and um, confidence is everything. And if you go out and lose seven nil, then uh, you are going to be short of confidence for a while. I think the pressure, the pressure coming under isn't. I don't think. So it's performance based. I think it's the fact that it's been fourteen goals in three games. I think that's where the, the that's where people have got. You can see if you're winning, see if you're going through a season, you lose a one nil, two one, whatever it is. You kind of you can you can see where there's there's positives there. You just need to work with it. Whereas if it's fourteen goals in three games, you just sort of sat back thinking, "Is what the actual fuck?" I don't think Jack Ross is under. When I say pressure. Like, I think he's under pressure because. The, the, especially against Sydney. But I don't think it's like sacked under pressure. I think it's just the pressure of the back. You know, I've had really good season ticket sales this season. And lots of things with clubs seem to be on the up. Um, we've actually spent money to sign players for the first time in quite a long time. Uh, not reports will make maybe too much money in terms of uh, ratio of wages to income. See, this is the thing for that. I, it's like, I've seen a few, fair few people like, and I'm always conscious on Twitter that people tend to the wages people are being paid according to Twitter are very different to what I imagine is actually turned up in the person's bank account. However, the concern is is like you say that balance. It doesn't seem to be a major issue at the minute, but that's because the owners are still willing to put money in. The concern is when the owners turn that tap off and how long you've been outstripping yourself um, we signed decent recognisable players the European money and the money from like if Dylan Livick gets to the World Cup squad tends to kind of balance it out United have got a few decent young prospects as well these are all positive things to see from it the concern is obviously like you say it's not United fans, it's fans of every team outside really Rangers. If the team starts performing really badly, you see it on the gates quickly. And that's, that I think, is the bigger concern. Is We sold just, is it just over 6,000 season tickets, I think, this season so far, which is obviously a, a decent turn up for United. Um, and we woke up, is still another 2,000 roughly, give or take. But you'll still have to see it really quick. If we start putting really terrible performances that, that walk of gate would disappear and that's when the, that's that's when it gets a bit more concerning um, I suppose aside from that though as well is whether already has lost the dressing room I, I don't think he has I think I think there are a lot of people at the minute out there I say to the media like that's what taking us ex-players predominantly 
who I think some of them say these things because it keeps them relevant <laughs> rather than it being based on fact. The problem is, is people don't fact check stuff these days, or very few people do. So you'll have X, 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 X one explorer will say, ah, oh, it's lost. Uh, this player's told me that he's lost the dressing room and then that'll just get blown up and the next thing you know Jack Russell's building questions saying if you lost the dressing room which is probably completely untrue if he's lost the dressing room within what two and a half months of being signed as manager then that's some going yeah <laughs> uh, it's a bit like Chinese whispers like in terms of now with social media Chinese whispers like grows arms and legs because what was talk last week in fighting with Tony Watt but then Tony Watt was in the team at the weekend do you think if that was the case, Tony yeah. Watt would not be in the team, surely. There is a concern at United that there is a leak somewhere within the club. Yeah, there um, is. Because there's a certain, I don't, I, I'm not going to name the person, but there's a certain person on Twitter in particular and uh, runs a couple of United Facebook groups who seems to share a lot of information that is, if you were a club, you wouldn't want that information shared. Um some of it's been accurate, some of it's been inaccurate, as is always with these cases. Uh, it is a concern, I think, for a lot of United fans at the minute that this person seems to be getting specific information that is quite sensitive. I think it's probably the best way to do it. If you're running a football club, the sort of information is sensitive that you wouldn't want shared, aka transfer targets, yeah. specific positions you're targeting. Now, yeah, you might be sharing this with, in good faith for example, you might not be intentionally trying to cause a hassle. But the problem is, is, as you've just said, we've got Tony Watt, for example, who's got quite a high-profile social media um, platform behind him. So surely at some point, this information is going to roll back around to the players and that can be causing hassle. Now, this, all this information probably can be handed out in complete good faith. Like the person giving the information, I'm probably giving it because he's, he's a supporter as well. And he's giving it to another supporter to give the supporter something to look forward to. But yeah, I think that's a concern for United. And I'm not saying United are the only ones in this situation, but United have definitely got one that's very high profile that people do know about, especially if they're on Twitter or in certain other places. Um, stuff was going on at Aberdeen last season, certainly, in that yeah, it, and stuff like that, but it looks very nipped in the bud. So, uh. Yeah, and it's, it's a concern that the club should try and nip quickly, sooner rather than later, because it's stuff like rumoured. Wage fees, uh, wages and stuff, but it, it might be accurate, it might not be a problem, isn't it? But it is a concern if, uh, if it's been leaked as much as it's been leaked before. And it's basically kind of a full circle background to Because at the end of the day, let's be honest, everyone kind of knows that most, not all football journalists, but a lot of football journalists who do gossip pages, hang around in Facebook groups, hang around on Twitter pages, literally waiting for someone to come up with a mad room. We've seen it with Sky get bought a few times where people have. <laughs> Like the Aberdeen player that someone completely made the name up of, and Sky reported on Sky News that the spoilers were about to sign. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what, what was it? Uh, was it Yerta uh, Selsa or something like that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, like, they hang around these, and this is, I'm not saying this is where the stories are coming from, but yeah. it's like the day we spent this high day with, at one point, everyone was convinced Jack Ross had, had walked out on United and was back down the M8, and then, you know, it turned out to be shite. And, <laughs> um, so yeah, these things grow arms and legs, and it, it, like I say, United aren't the only club, but it's a concern from a United fan, from some United fans' point of view that there seems to be a leak, and spe- specifically a leak to one person. That's the thing that's really suspicious, is it's a leak to one person who's then sharing it. So either they do know someone there, or they're putting a lot of things together to make themselves popular on the internet, which would be complete shock, and I've never seen that in my life. <laughs> and a more positive note, though, you're going to see Dundee United women, aren't you? Uh, yes, actually, I forgot about it. Yeah, I'm going tomorrow night. Uh, they're, yeah, they're playing, no, it's not tomorrow night, it's Wednesday night, actually. Uh, Glasgow City versus Dundee United at Peters Hill. I highly reckon eight quid bad. to get it in. So it's not bad. Uh, my mate's been there before, he says the price of shit, which is not necessarily a positive, but yeah, I'd highly recommend it. It was at Ashfield, just down the road from there the other week, and I'd recommend going there because the chippy's open opposite, and you can go out at half time to the chippy, and that was mm-hmm. fucking revolutionary. <laughs> I was like, nah, see you later. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, barely leaving, but that's by the way. <laughs> Alright, but hopefully your experience of Wednesday is a bit better than what's happening in the men's team. Just it cannot be any worse. I say that right now. Yeah, I, I, I swear to God, see if I walk up land, it's like eight dollars. I'll be absolutely livid. 
<laughs> just going to retire. How have they started this season? Dunning United were promoted. Well, yeah, promoted. They uh, two wins out of two, so they're doing doing quite well. Um, they've retained a lot of the squad that won the league last season, so they are looking quite positive. Um, and they played at Gussie Park at the weekend, and I know at the minute. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know where Gussie Park is, if you go to Tannadice, Gussie Park, you walk past, it's on your left-hand side, as you walk uh, walk along the road. Because um, it's been done up, because I, I think Dundee use that park as well. Um, but, yeah, it, it should be quite a good game. It'll be, um, so I say, yeah, United beat Glasgow women 4-0 at the weekend. The week before that, they drew 1-1 with Motherwell. So these are, you know, for the first two fixtures in the top flight, that's, 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 a, that's a decent turn. Decent turn. They have got a few tough games, obviously. Glasgow City coming up on Wednesday night. They've then got Hibs at home, and then they've got Southwick at home, and then they've got Hearts. So, yeah, yeah. It, it might have a different feel to it after those games. But as it stands, they've got four points, too. It's, it's a decent return. A decent return. It's pretty scored. But, yeah, it'll be, um, they're not taking any doings, and I think. It's a good thing, I think, for the women's game. I know we don't give the SPFL much praise ever, <laughs> or any. Um, but I think the fact that they've taken the women's game under their umbrella, I think is giving it a little bit more um, viewing from the outside. I think people are a bit more aware of it. and it, It's giving it a bit more of a professional feel. I'm not, I'm not saying that the women weren't professional before, and they definitely were. Arguably slightly better than what the men were doing, but I think now that they're all under the same umbrella, it, it's a much better prospect. And also... Top five football for eight quid. Do you know what I mean, that's yeah. They do need to update the website though, because the website is still dreadful to navigate. However, on Twitter, the SWPL page is actually pretty decent for keeping up to date with things. So I'd recommend probably going on there as opposed to going on the website. Um, but regards to that, and then obviously Glasgow City lost in their Champions League tie. There'll be four group thin to get through to the next round, whereas Rangers went to at the first time of asking. So. Uh, I mean, to be fair, the class was it. Roma and Savetti. Is, is that the name of it? Savet, maybe. Savet, yeah, that's it. So, a 3 1 defeat to Roma isn't anything to be ashamed of. Uh, and I know that they were was not injury time winner that they lost They lost to, to their second the second game in their group of four. Aye, but the second game didn't matter because it was off on fourth. It's just uh, more efficient, I think, really. Um, so I suppose it did matter that way, but didn't matter in terms of getting through to the next round. Yeah, no, it'd be, it'd be a good game. I mean, I don't think Knights are children in the league, Glasgow City haven't conceded as of. Um, but I'm said that so Rangers haven't conceded. I think Rangers have scored. Um, it's to like 22 goals in the first two games, I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's what so, they've, they've done. High scoring, high scoring games, but yeah, that would be it'll be good. It'll be interesting to see. Actually. It can't be any worse than <laughs> some of the men's performances I've seen lately. Um, talking of Rangers, Josh, European tie against PSV, finally poised. Good first leg, entertaining. Sorry, I had my mic on mute there. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, it's it's going to be tough. Um, it was an entertaining first round, uh, first tie. Um, the old the the old Desmond. Um, it's going to be it's going to be hard. Uh, I, when 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 we were looking at the fixtures, um, and we were three 0 up against USG. Uh, and we were kind of, um, you know, talking. Do you want more? Would you, you know, do you want Monaco? Or do you want PSV? I honestly said that would prefer Monaco. I just think PSV Dutch football. I just, I think PSV are very, very good. There have always been a really, really good team. Um, and and the thing about, so I think PSV, with all respect to them, are a lot more on the level with Rangers. Um. I think last year in the in the Europa League, we we done so well in the in the Europa League because we were playing against teams that were coming out to absolutely batter us. 
Um, and, you know, we almost just kind of turned that around and ended up battering them. Um, and it happened time and time again in the Europa League last season. But here we have a team who, you know, I mean, if you looked at the tie Rangers PSV, you would say, do you know what, that one's hard to call. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas last season, you know, you were looking at Rangers versus Dortmund and, you know, um, you, you know, Rangers versus Leipzig, maybe not so much Red Star, but, you, you, you know, you're automatically thinking, right, Rangers are, you know, they're going to find it tough to get past them. Um, but I think PSV are too much on the level with us and it just makes me worry. And I think the fact that the second leg's away from home and we've only took... Um, with Tuka Desmond um, the away goals being off obviously is a saving grace mm-hmm. but it's going to be very difficult I think that atmosphere over there is going to be palpable it's going to be really hard so yeah try not see much of the ball you would think PSV will dominate the ball I think yeah um, I mean they looked very good that um, is it Gakpo or Yakpo Yakpo yeah. or Gakpo is that how you say his name he looked very good he looks scary with the ball. Scary good. Sabiri was good as well. I thought Sabiri and Sangar yeah, were the opener. Yeah, yep, yeah, yeah, he was really good. I thought Luke de Jong was brilliant, rolling back the years. Yeah, I th- looked. You know, I always thought I've always thought he's been a he's always been a really good player. Um, but yeah, seeing that and really actually paying a lot of attention to him. I've only seen him, you know, maybe the occasional Europa League game or or um, you know the occasional. Bundesliga game or um, it was at Spain. It was in Spain, wasn't it? Uh, it was at Barca. Yeah. Um, so I've only seen him occasionally, and I've never actually sat and watched a game. You know, supporting the opposite team and really paying attention to how he's played. I thought he was absolutely fantastic. Um, uh, so it's, it's going to be tough. I watched. I watched. I watched Spanish football quite a lot. I think everyone's ever listened to this podcast knows that. Uh, but last season when he was at Barca, he. He kept getting a lot of shit, basically. Also with a basket case, but he kept getting quite a lot of shit because basically he was kind of the sign that they were a basket case because it's Luke Young with full respect to him. But seeing the big games, he would he would turn up. Oh, that's not what you want to hear. But <laughs> he he did. He had a reputation. I think it was there. I think he scored. He scored against Real. He scored against Sevilla, uh, and, and a last minute winner. <laughs> so like he he um he just suited, and I think he's he looks. When we come on to obviously later about Alfredo Morelos later, but he looked like what Morelos used to look like for Rangers last week. He he had that presence. He was the one occupying the defenders, um, yeah. which is obviously a slight concern. But at the same time, though, it's like your Rangers' reputation last season in Europe away from home was actually quite good. I mean, the performance obviously at Dortmund stands out above and beyond. And I mean, if you can, if you can do that performance in Dortmund. In a was it last thirty two kick tie? Then a, a, that that atmosphere didn't face obviously didn't face anyone. So in the boys, I mean, most of that team went through that last season. So I think that's another positive you, you can take from it. Is like mm-hmm. this isn't going to be this isn't going to be like a rabbit in the headlights kind of moment. This isn't like Matt Matt Riley. I'm not saying Matt Riley is a bad player in any way shape or form, but my point is more like when he came to Celtic, he said that he was stunned by the atmospheres that he was facing. You, 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 none of your boys are really going to be facing that because they've, they've experienced it already. At least, at least a sizable portion. Your captain, most of your backline have faced it already and come through it with flying colours. So true, true. Uh, yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, I mean, yeah. Th- th- there's no doubt that this that this team has European pedigree. Um, that that's not in doubt whatsoever. Um, I'm a wee bit worried um, that a, a, a lot. I think we've lost a bit of the heart of the team. Um, I think Joe Aribo has been a huge loss. Um, I, I think that's yeah. I mean that that that's a bit of a gimme. So is so is Calvin Bassey. I think you know those two losing those two players has been massive, um, and it, it's yet to be seen well we've replaced with equal quality. I think Lawrence looks good. Um, I think Cholak looks good. Um, I think uh, Tillman obviously looks good. Uh, Matondo yet to be seen, but I, I just something about the heart of the team that I'm just not quite seeing at the moment uh, in league form as well. So yeah, we 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 will see 
how it goes. I uh, I hope I hope we can. Yeah, I hope admit, obviously I hope we can do it because it would be massive, right? It, it would be absolutely enormous. Um, but I I think that the fact that qualify and I think I said this on the last pod, John. I think that the fact that we reached the Europa League final has made up a lot for uh, almost the kind of do or dieness of the fact that we need to qualify for the Champions League compared to Celtic, who have automatically qualified for the Champions League, because there was a lot of emphasis placed on the fact that Celtic were getting this automatic 50, 60, 70, 150 million, whatever, however much the blogs are saying it is, um, for qualifying for the Champions League. But I think that, you know, the fact that we reached the Europa League final has made up a lot of that. Um, so I, I would like to see the players go out there and play with the pressure off. Um, unfortunately, that's, that can't happen when you're at the old firm. Um, you know, you need to be um, expected. You're expected to win every single game. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I would have liked to have had, I've seen Morelos get more games um, and be able to see him play against PSV. Uh, but I think Cholak will probably start after um, after Sunday's performance from Manelos. I think it's looking like anyway uh, from Van Bronckhurst, Cholak is his man, the fact he's signed him. And obviously there's the fact that Manelos was out at the start of the season, but Cholak's in good form, scoring goals, so he, it's probably right to keep him in. The surprising thing I think last week was the fact that Manelos never came on to try and get a winner. Even, yeah. even in partnership with Cholak or in place of him, but he said he's Van Bronckhorst has said, "I'm not going to play the tournament to get off." Which, no. and, and he said, he said that when he first, he said that when he first came in, John, and he, he said the Dutch method of football is four three three. Yeah, that's that he literally said that in one of his first press conferences. I, I play attacking football. That's you know the Dutch system is four three three. So I'm not surprised that he's and he played that you know his whole um, time when he was at um, Feyenoord. So I'm I'm not surprised that uh, he's he said that. Uh, having said that, though, I, I think Cholak has been uh, a wee bit fortunate in the fact that Morelos is, you know, only still recovering from a long, long, long-term injury. Yeah. Uh, he was out for what six, seven months, something like that. Um, so I think that Cholak has been a wee bit fortunate in that sense. I don't know if Morelos was 100% fit and fine at the start of the season. I personally think Gio would have still started Morelos because, in my opinion, and I've said this before, I think he is the best striker in Scotland by some distance when he's playing on his on his game. Right, so we may as well move on to what Jeff alluded to earlier. What happened on Saturday? What do you call him? Well, well, it, it was the Willie the Willie Collum show. Uh, but look, by the way, let's not just focus on that one game. The referee all weekend was shocking. Right, what, what, I, was, some, I think someone slipped that slipped something into the tea at the F- SFA, um, because it, it was honking the whole weekend. But on that game specific, on the Rangers Hibs game, uh, Hibs Rangers, I should say, uh, specifically, Willie Collum, horrible. Yeah. Right. For, for, so I'll, I'll give you the big decisions. Like my opinion, the big decisions. For a start, I. Honestly, honestly, I'm not convinced that the Cholak one is a penalty, right? I mean, you're looking let, letter of the law, right? Well, it is a pen, right? Letter of the law is a pen, but it's soft as fuck. If you're a Habs fan, you are yeah. raging. It but, doesn't look like there's much contact, does there? No, nah, but go down like that, and then why go down like that? Because he's got a chance. Well, well, I think, well, I think, um, I think Chris um, made the point himself on Twitter earlier. Um, Chris, one of our fellow podcasters, um, that. Um, you know, why does he need to go down for it to be a penalty? You know, um, so but he does go down and the penalty is given, you know. Um, so the, the, the penalty is given later of law. Um, Lundstrom's red. Come yeah, on. Come on. That, was the, that was the worst one for me. Like, how many times, how many games of football have you been in your life and how many times have you seen them? Doyle Hayes had a similar tackle, didn't they? I can't even count the amount of times I've seen that exact foul. It's, it's a tactical foul that he's doing. It was in, if I don't see it on Sunday, there was one in the Newcastle Newcastle Man City game where Kieran Trippier does something similar and he, yeah, gets, yeah. he gets a red straight, straight away and then he checks it on VAR and it, it's downgraded to a yellow. It's a tactical foul. You'll see it in absolutely every game. And you see the way that Lundstrom gets up. Lundstrom knows it's a tactical foul. He knows he's going in the book for it. And you see, mm-hmm. see him when he gets up, he knows he's going in the book for it. Mm-hmm. But then he, he pulls out the red and it's like, 
I can was see. He, there was even a bit of a, a, a look of shock with some of the Hibs players' faces. Yeah, I think Lee Johnson said in the interview after that he didn't think it was a he didn't think it was a red. Uh, even if you're opposition manager in a game, like Hibs and Rangers fans not. Those games are intense at East Liverpool. If even if the Hibs managers turn around and saying like, that that is not a, that's not a red card charge, like is he yellow? Yeah, no one's going to argue the toss about it being tactical. But yeah, it was cynical, yes. But did it really endanger an opponent? Not not really. Like it, it literally just on a tactical foul. And it's the same with the penalty. Like if Woody Collins going to give that as a penalty, mate, then you should really give the one not long after to Hibs. And then at the end of the day, most of his games this season are going to have penalties because that sort of stuff happens in the box every single every single game. Yeah, and it is utterly ridiculous. And then the Morelos one, I think it is a red card. Like no one's going to really argue about it. But I think it's partly it's not that like the, it's not the worst album you've ever seen at Alfredo Morelos bro. But it's more it's more a case of did his reputation help with that because he did get that red card out rapid. Like very, very quick. But yeah. It, Do you think frustration on Morelos' part? He did the same when he, when, when Gerard first came in, didn't he? But he wasn't being played first choice straight away. I think the folk came in and started playing ahead of him. And he came on occasionally. I remember one game against Motherwell where he got two yellows in quick succession after he came on the pitch. Uh and yeah, I think Morelos is a case of he's coming back from long term injury. He's been usurped somewhat as, as a starting number nine. And then he has to then try and fight to get the manager back on side. But the problem is he does fight. Yes, he does. But he doesn't like do it through goal scoring. He does it. He, he gets physical quite a lot. And this one, his players, and everyone knows what Marilas is like. Everyone knows you can wind them up. And because you know you'll get a response out of him in I've seen somewhere that this is his first sending off since December 2019. But weirdly, it's not his first red card since December 19 because he's had two retrospective ones yeah. handed out for effectively elbowing. Mm-hmm. So I think I think that, that that's not going to help him. The, the, the thing is, I, I, I don't want it yet. It is obviously a red card, right? I, maybe it's partly born out of frustration, but I think that's just a bit of a buzzword, right? Um, for, for pundits to talk about because they want to talk about the fact that he's you know he's frustrated and he's Cholak's getting started ahead of him and all that right he's he's always had that in his game right but it is when he he's when he chooses to use it it's just you know you're two one up and you're down to ten men right see the game out and I've got to be honest I think that is probably why. Alfredo Morelos has not went on to a bigger platform than Rangers at this time, because right. you you see you see players who are like Alfredo Morelos, right? Diego Costa's one that comes to mind, um, Suarez to an extent, um, you know, who, players that have that you know that shithousery, that really nastiness in their play, and you you love it, right? Because they, they are really good at it, but they're smart and they know when to use it. Morelos, he just a lot of the time, he, a lot of the time he's very good at it, and then he has these moments of of absolute madness, abject madness, and they have got fewer. That there is no doubt, you know, there was the season was it eighteen to nineteen, where he got, that was the the season he got sent off about three or four times. So that was the worst season, um, but he has gotten better at it. There's no doubt in that, but he needs to he needs to stamp those out of his games, the elbows. The elbows need to go, and in that situation, that is a huge draw on um, on, on Saturday. It's enormous to, to draw that game. So really, just disappointed, um, disappointed, but not not disappointed. Disappointed from a, a perspective of shock, just like oh no again. Yeah, I mean, credit should also go to uh, Josh Campbell because that was some hit. Like right in the dying seconds to hit that volley, yeah, as sweet as he did at that point, it is absolutely top door. That and I mean, Ibs, I think both managers said the first half was very, very terrible. Second half that game came to life. Then I'll be honest. See if you were watching that from the outside. I think that's quite an entertaining game. Yeah, it's an entertaining game because the referee ended up being fucking abysmal. But 
it was still entertaining. Like, it's a product that's probably the best game that was on telly that weekend. Uh, overall, I mean, Man City Newcastle game was quite good as well, to be fair. But I mean, I'd say on Saturday that was the best game I watched. And then, um, like I said, yeah, the refereeing didn't make it, made it slightly worse. It, it, when we get VAR in, I don't know how much that VAR will make an impact. I think the ones that John Lundstrom challenged, that would definitely should, I say should, that should be overturned or downgraded. Sorry, is the phrase using it. And I imagine the penalty probably isn't given, or if it is given, then the penalty for Hibs a few minutes later is given. So, yeah, the, when VAR comes in December time, I'm sure that sort of stuff will change, but I think as an actual gun test, I thought it was actually really good to, to watch. The atmosphere seemed to be amazing. Both sets of players gave it everything. And, yeah. Some Ryan best... Portis was quite quiet. No Ryan... controversy with Ryan Portis. I don't know. <laughs> Just even Gerrard's not there. Um, yeah, no, I thought overall that's quite... I thought it was a really good game. Like, like I say, Josh Campbell, I think, is his goal. But at the end of that... End of that second, at the end of the game, was absolutely phenomenal. But equally, like I just said, like Morelos, when he got sent off, when you're down to 10 men, you shut up shop, you've got running to do, but you shut up shop. See if you're down to nine men, you're down to nine men for the best part of it. 10, 10 minutes, I think, over all together. I yeah, mean, we are over that, I think. Yeah, so like that's a lot of running for the eight outfield players to do. Nice. Hibs, to be fair to them, to be fair to Hibs, they they clocked onto that and they, they turned the screw. So, fair yeah. place for that. But, yeah. I mean, it wasn't the worst penalty decision I've seen all weekend because I think that I think that belongs to Motherwell. Oh, I Motherwell and Lovey. Yeah. That was... Um, I didn't realise... How could the referee like, give that? Because there's no way he can see that. Or was it... Was it the referee or was it the <sighs> there's, there's no way the referee could see that. Nah. All those bodies in the way. Well, that's the thing is that I listened to David Martindale's interview after, and to be fair to him, like, his interviews are usually quite good because he is hand on heart honest. Yep. And he himself obviously couldn't understand because he had as many bodies to look through as the, as the referee did. So then you're trying to work out whether it was the line, linesman had given it, but then the linesman also had a fair sizable number of bodies to try and look through as well. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know how that one's given. That was. I mean, fair do to the other ones to see behind him because he's, he's, he's had quite a good impact since he came in as manager. And mm-hmm. I think he's a bit of a surprise candidate for most people. Mm-hmm. Um, so fair do's to him and he deserves it. And I think overall, Mother will probably edge the play, probably. But if you're a Livy fan, it, like, David Martindale said in his interview, didn't that. Um, the first thing was that the performance was terrible. They didn't deserve anything. It was utterly a bit, his, his team performed terribly. However, the penalty was was the wrong decision. And he, I think he was bang on, like, it, and he did it right. He did. If you listen to his interview back, he did the interview right because he said he pulled his team up first, and then he went into like the bad decision. He didn't try and blame the bad decision for the loss. But yeah, it, it, it was a bad decision. I don't know if there's any game that didn't have bad refereeing at the weekend. To be honest, or some. It, it was all. It was all pretty terrible. Yeah. United St. Minnan was the only one that didn't have bad refereeing, but that's just because United are terrible. But I mean, St. Minnan never did they help from the refereeing Saturday? Sorry, they did not need it. I was going to go back to Europe actually because Hearts obviously again Zurich decent start they made, scored the penalty, and then I would say apart from like a wee five minute spell with Zurich, Hearts were all right. I think they're very much still in the tie. Yeah, I, I was just going to say that, John. They they are very much in that tie. Um, you, I mean, look, we're not going to get any football cliches, but Tyne Castle is a tough place to go. Um, and you can imagine. I mean, you you. I mean, you know what it's like uh, a Hibs game or um, a Rangers or a Celtic game, right? You imagine what it's going to be like in a, a playoff to get into the Europa League game. For, for the Hearts fans, that's massive. And see them getting into the Europa League, that could potentially be transformative for the club. Oh, you know, we, we, I mean, we are looking, if they get into the Europa League, I mean, the, the amount of money relative to Hearts' kind of budget is huge. And, you know, you, you're potentially looking at Hearts, you know, I, I suppose even 
and I'm don't want to get any superlatives here, but but you know potentially breaking away from the rest of the league and and being their own kind of third force in football. I mean, they're not going to be in the same kind of level as, as Rangers or Celtic, but I'm, I'm thinking about what happened last season and how you you know you had Rangers and Celtic at the very top of the table, then you had Hearts somewhere in between, and then you had the rest of the league down below them. You know, quite significantly below them. Uh, so, I mean, if they manage to get in the Europa League, the kind of financial rewards that will bring. The fact that they've now got a waiting list for season tickets—it's yeah. crazy. You know, they—they yeah. are—they are doing everything right in terms of the running of the club at the moment. Yeah, I think, like, like it says, Hearts are always Hearts have never been have always had that extra few, I say few, sizable number of extra supporters. But Hearts seem to be doing everything right, and they seem to be doing it until Craig Levine gets involved in some way, shape, or form. They seem to be doing everything that they can to, to be steady, to be competent. And they've even changed. Like the last time they came up, uh, when they got relegated with the, the um, going out of administration and stuff, the first few seasons that they came back up, they were doing something similar to what they're doing now, not to the same level of success. And then they sort of got carried away by signing. Old people, <laughs> effectively. <laughs> um, whereas this time they seem to be almost all of their signings have been sensible signings. They haven't done anything mental, which is what the rest of teams tend to do. Is we tend to do something a bit stupid that it doesn't make sense. Stephen Fletcher. Yeah, well, I was, I was, I was going to say it's like United have been signing like Stephen Fletcher or. Um, is boy Rose like looks good? The defender from Australia. Yeah. yeah. It seems to things were hard. It seems to be using it slightly. More, um, but they seem to be doing it sensibly. Unlike Livingston, who aren't doing it sensibly. So, yeah, it's quite um, it's quite good to see the way they're doing it. And yeah, one season in the Europa League, whether it make a great financial difference to separating from everyone else, I, I don't necessarily think so. But if they can continue to maintain themselves in third, let's be honest, I mean, they don't seem to have any challenges. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, I would have thought Dundee United would have been the challengers this season, you know, with the signings that they made. Um, but obviously, that's, you know, that's, well, still, I mean, you never know, it could happen. But um, yeah, um, I, yeah, I think one thing that did strike me about Hearts, though, um, is I, if Halkett's going to be out for any length of time, they could do with a centre back, um, because Suter is, is a big hole. Um, so <laughs> yes, he is. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, Suter's a huge hole in the defence. So if if they don't have Alka either, you know, I, I think they probably need a good quality centre back that they can bring in, even in a short term deal. Um, so yeah, that's just one thing that. But I mean, they're going to need to see, see if they you know, want to do anything in Europe, if they manage to qualify for Europe, they might need to bring in a couple of bodies. And as you said, Jeff, they haven't done anything, you know, haven't made any, any significant changes. They haven't done anything stupid. They've kept the vast majority of the, of the core team. Um, I think not, actually, I think not getting the boy back from Everton, his name escapes me now. Sims. Sims. Yeah, I think not getting Sims back was a bit of a blow. Uh, but they brought in, they brought in Shankland and whatever you think of him, uh, he's um, as a you know he's a top striker. He knows that score for Robbie Nielsen. That's I think that's a, a exactly yeah yeah. I mean he's not he's no hit he's he's no hit quite hit his Air United form um, since, but he scores goals. And gone are the days where you know you get into the top flight and you get a thirty goal a season striker. That's that just doesn't really happen anymore. You know no, I mean no you had twenty last year. Who? No one even had 20 last year. Yeah, it was uh, Charles Cook on 15 or something like that. So, gone are those days where you get strikers on 30 or 40 goals a season. Um, so, do we think Hearts will do it? Do we think they'll get through? Um, yeah, I think I think because of the legs at Tynecastle, then I think that, that that's really put me to a good place. And it's, it's not like they were out for or anything by that, by Jurek uh, or anything like that. They just one of them games, you just you, you think about it. It's over two legs. I think if it had been over one leg, Hearts would have probably gone for it a lot, lot more. 
I think they were conscious of bringing it back to Tynecastle while within their grasp. And then, um, yeah, I think they'll go through. And even if they don't, I mean, they go into the Conference League, arguably the Conference League, they've got a better chance of getting further in. But uh, I think I might need one of you might know better, but I think uh, so for the Europa League, it's not the, the top, top two places go through and then the third place drop into the conference. So theoretically, Hearts, if they get two wins, they're guaranteed football, European football after Christmas if they're in the Europa League. Mm-hmm. Um, that, I think, would be would be, a, would, would be some achievement. But, um, yeah, I think they'll do it and wish them nothing but the best. It's, it's nice to see a team that's not one of the old firm in the other. Yeah, I, 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 agree. I, I, I do agree with that. Um, we, we have been crying out for as a league for representation in Europe that is not uh, Rangers or Celtic, being honest. Um, I mean, there for 10 years, it was just Celtic, really. Um, so it's been crying out for a, for a team that's not Rangers or Celtic for a while. Um, and if Arts can do it, then, um, yeah, that's... Definitely, I mean, it's definitely good for our profile. I think the last time was it Aberdeen in 2008. Right. It was, a, was the last time. So, like, yeah, we're talking, what, now, 14 years yeah. <laughs> since we've had a team that's not one of them in the group stages. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that will be... That I'm looking forward to. And genuinely, genuinely do wish them all the best. I know Gibbs fans will, but I think most people in persuasion probably would wish them, wish them the best, at least. A lot more than we would the other two teams, you know. It's only Aberdeen and the Hearts that have managed to reach the group stages in a European competition outside of England and Celtic. Uh, really? really? Mm-hmm. United, when they were in, it was knockouts. knockouts oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Right. Since, since, since it went aye. to group stages. Of course, yeah. right. Aye, aye. That's, that's what a start that is. What, what a start that is, John. Do you know, do you know that? That's, that's the kind of stuff you get in this All podcast, right. by the way. Aberdeen it's, fans know when, when Aberdeen were doing well. Thought, uh, uh, never well, we did all right at the weekend. Uh, I, did, but, I did think going into the game, you know how it's one of those games whereby, like the previous week, everyone was talking, oh, Motherwell are so poor, blah, 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 blah. We'd also a good win against St Mirren, and then we get pumped. I thought, here we go. We're going in against St Johnson, who look dreadful. We're talking about Jack Ross earlier, and whether he's under pressure. Callum Davidson, unfortunately, seems a nice guy, but just for whatever reason, he just cannot get a tune out of that team. Um, and then I did think as well Considine playing Stevie May Montgomery who were all Aberdeen at some point one of them's going to score but actually I think Andy Considine tried to almost get himself set off he was <laughs> uh, he got booked I think he was was it Bezian? Um struggled uh, a wee bit and you do fear for St Johnson um, Aberdeen I think just put in a professional performance got the goal screamer of a goal from Clarkson again he looks a, a right good signing um, so aye, positive result, clean sheet after the defeat last weekend. Johnny Hayes made his 300th appearance, which is good. Flavor, so, flavors of uh, James Madison about the boy Clarkson, John. Aye, he certainly aye. you can tell he's been he's been well skilled in that academy at Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, always like a forward pass as well. He's not like one of these side to side players. So I think we're starting to see it. Like United, obviously, we didn't live it last season. Obviously, I know Man United. Uh, you've got that uh, uh, Leighton Clarkson you're starting to see players that were getting on loans or coming up to Scotland uh, from especially Premier League top Premier League academies you are seeing how forward thinking those players are um, it's, it's not a podcast for a root and branch into Scottish uh, uh, teams academies but it is quite amazing how forward thinking those players are and it's not like they're a million miles ahead of our players or ones from our academies. It's just, it's it's, it's, it's interesting to see. It's, it's probably the best way to describe it. Is you're intrigued by the way they do it. Because like you say, that the, the boy from Liverpool, he, he, I think it's because they're all doing like possession-based stuff a lot more rather than arguably practical stuff, which is why they're on loan at teams like United, like Aberdeen, to do that practical, learn that sort of side of the game. But yeah, it is the technique. The genuine technique that they have is is, is phenomenal. Aye, they're never quite sure how it works out, mind you, because we had Terry Jenks last year who came up with a good reputation and it just never worked out for him. Whereas uh, straight away, Clarkson's come in first three games, he gets two goals, and 
Aye, it's promising. Um, so, pleasing. A couple of wins. Please yeah. you, Brian. <laughs> Aye, well, we can hand over the banter. Year to you. Just wait until we play each other. Like, was it? Is there not talk us playing a like, quarter to eight or something like that on a Saturday night for the American audience? Oh, right? fucking tell I me about it. Like, yeah, I'm going to that game. And then I seen on the other day, no, it was half six or something. Like that. Ah, it's not like that. I remember it was at Dundee Aberdeen last year, there, didn't it? Ah, well, that's because Dundee do a lot of things. Um, yeah, they, like, yeah, I don't, I'm not really a big fan of that sort of stuff. I, mostly because I'm a miserable bastard. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest, I'd, I'd rather just stick it to three o'clock. Do they have any idea how gold it will be <laughs> on, I mean, that, how much- on that terrace? <laughs> How much money do you think the club give us? Don't let me call it. Obviously, this is the thing. It's the American not. coverage or whatever. That's why it's been switched. But it was not something like 50 grand they made when they moved the Dundee Aberdeen game. It was something daft like that. It's something that you just... There's something that you, when you hear about it, you kind of like, that doesn't really justify... Um, doesn't really justify the movement of the thing, like, realistically. But, um, yeah... It confuses me because I know obviously Aberdeen owners are American, United's owners are American, Dundee's owners are American, Gibbs are. Yep. But it's not like you're putting it onto one of the main channels in America. It's still fighting against La Liga games. It's still fighting against the Premier League late kickoff. It's still fighting against the French late kickoff, the Bundesliga's late kickoff. You're fighting against all these teams that you're fighting, the games that you're fighting against anyway. So yeah. it doesn't really add up. You're kind of like, mm-hmm. Don't really get what you're if you're not getting it on as in like, if you're not getting it on like Sky for example, then what's the point in doing it? Realistically, the game isn't gonna be put on Sky because Sky aren't gonna let's be on Sky aren't gonna kick off their half five half five game, especially since that's the last game before the World Cup. So in in England that will be a big game. So they're not gonna move that for the an Aberdeen United game. Yeah. And no chance. Yeah, so it doesn't really add up. What's the point, realistically? Here's one for you. If, if Dundee United were to have an American style nickname, what would it be? You know, A-Rubs, like... man. What's that? The A-Rubs. A-Rubs. Oh, I could have that. No, it'd have to be something fresh. It can't be something that's linked to the club just now. Oh, the way they say it's funny. The thing is, there's so much about Dundee United's nicknames that could be American, like the Tangerine Terrors or something you know what I mean yeah, like that kind of thing uh, exactly see, see United that's linked already aye uh, uh, you know so it's, Tan- it's the Tangerine Dream Tangerine yes. Tangerine we've Dream all had, we've all had those dreams <laughs> <laughs> good dreams and dreams uh, uh, right so we think Hearts will get through in Europe do we think Wins will get through uh, uh, yeah yeah, yeah, I think they might be, but I think it'll be a lot tighter than the Hearts game. I know yeah. Hearts are one down, but like, I think Hearts will easily come back. I, I'm, co- I'm co- cautious, cautiously optimistic. Um, cautiously optimistic, realistically pessimistic. <laughs> I'm optimistic um, to kick off and then just take the off. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And everyone needs yeah. to look out for Cassie's throwback mountain when he does his European games and he looks back at previous games whereby, like, for example, a Scottish team's played a Swiss team and a Scottish team's played a Dutch team and all that type of thing because he puts in a lot of work to it. So mm-hmm. uh, have a look at that. Friday, you've got the, the draws on nice, Friday, nice isn't it? One. For the tournament. Like the Champions League, the Europa League and the Conference. So all the draws on Friday. See, I thought it was a week in Tuesday. Have I made, no, I made up? I might have just the Champions League was on Friday. It might not be. See, if it's not on Friday and everyone waits around on Friday for it, then please, <laughs> please write to us uh, and complain. <laughs> See, I don't really, I don't like pay attention to the Champions League because we're not with it. So, uh, but Champions League draw. Good radio, this. Google it. Oh, <laughs> I suppose like it's Thursday. Oh, right. That's Champions League on Thursday. There we go. There we go. So we are both on. Aye. Uh, so, on that note, and that blooper, maybe we should just uh, call it a night. Yes, he is. <laughs> <laughs> right, cheers, guys. Sweet, mate.